what 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 is that testosterone cream? I I watched a video on how to like properly apply or I don't something. Know. Ball juice. But it was <laughs> ball but juice. It, funny, That's what it's called. I don't know. <laughs> the funny thing was was that like this testosterone cream was like make sure to wash your hands thoroughly after application. No woman should ever come in contact. Well, they shouldn't. <laughs> by the artist does this is episode 163 of the anime addicts anonymous podcast where our mission is and always will be to make your anime addiction worse oh yes and of course i am chiaki joined by mitsugi i'm very fired up today yes very fired up and are you fired up cram yeah okay yes i have i've got two cans of coffee in this Suntory Black Boss. Ooh, I like the Boss coffee because, uh, what? Because uh, maybe a little too much coffee. Way to slam that can down. <laughs> 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 Shaky. Um, but, uh, what's his face? Did advertising for the Boss coffee. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Jones. That, thank you. wonderful commercials. They are fantastic commercials, and I like it when he sings in Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you can... Find us at aaapodcast.com. New, improved, and finally 100% finished. There is an official bug report thread on the forums, so if you find problems, you can let me know there. Or you can email me at my email, which is I post everywhere. Um, you can also find us on iTunes. Don't forget to give us a rating on iTunes, especially if you like it. We like reading them, and it makes our day. You can also find us on Facebook.com forward slash Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast, where we are more active than ever. More active, better, better, faster, stronger, more organized. Indeed. And I think I should also mention you can follow us on Twitter, which is now our official photo stream of all of the wacky anime stuff that you can find in Japan. So tweet us. 
thumbs up us, join our forums, review us on iTunes. That's your homework for the week. New forum members, welcome to the forums, Lucky Rabbit 17. I think my name of the week is Lucky Rabbit 17. Oh, I wanted the name Lucky Rabbit 17. I've been planning to jump the gun on that all day. <laughs> Trivia, the correct answer was Mami Tomoe from Madoka Magica, if you didn't know. But 13 of you did. Congratulations to Manly Mudkip, Kenchiko33, Go. Wait, did you actually count those? I think there's eight of them. Like the show. Go. Yeah, that's how the show is, I think. Very nice. Angel Wing Zero, Rekka, Yotaro Vegeta, Nelly1876, Astrophysics, Hangman Swing Set, Mommy Tomoe. Mommy Tomoe got her own question right. Mr. Freelance. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> Shocker. Shake a Sphere and Multi Yogi Bear. Congratulations to Kenchko33. This month's Woo-hoo! theme is Magical Girls, and Kenchko33 is in the running for the monthly prize. So awesome. We have some <clears throat> Almighty Anime Mailbags, or our AAA Mailbag. If you'd like to submit a mailbag, you can go to aapodcast.com, and there is a big old tab called Mailbags, because we like to become use very original titles that will confuse you. But yes, first, Soda Popsa writes, During your time in Japan, have you met any Japanese anime fans or industry people who you might have as guests on the show? Would you consider doing an episode on manga? It would be great if you had a local who speaks English to talk about the newest manga. Well, there are probably a number of students that could do it, but... Uh, I know I know a couple right I, off the bat. Yeah, I actually think it was interesting because we were talking about this before even I had read this mailbag, but there there is a, a student friend who is a mangaka, uh, a working mangaka, and uh, we, we talked about potentially having her on the show. Um... The only thing that I would say with this is Japanese people, I think really anyone, um, but they're not very confident oftentimes when English is their second language, um, just as anyone isn't really mm-hmm. <laughs> that confident speaking in a language that isn't their native language. So it what might happen is it might be like the Makoto Shinkai interview where the interview is done where we put the questions in English and then they start answering in Japanese and then we translate for you um, just because it might make them feel more comfortable and maybe they're more likely to do it. But that'll completely be up to them. But yes, yes, the answer to the question is yes, we we are looking at people over here to, to bring on the show, both in the anime industry and whatnot. So one more quick announcement. Uh, With the new site, the AAA has adopted a new logo. If you're one of the people who listen on iTunes, Stitcher, or any number of places that just gives you an automatic feed and you don't actually come to the site, for shame on you. But that aside, we have a new logo that we are slowly adapting. Yamitsuki isn't going anywhere, our mascot, but we we spoke with her and she found this really cool t-shirt with the AAA logo on it that she really likes. And she looks really good in it. And she looks great in it. Hey, 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 I'd hit it. And she said that she would really be okay if we use that as the logo because then she wouldn't have her face anywhere and she wouldn't feel uncomfortable about it anymore. So we will be changing the logo on iTunes in about two or three weeks. We're announcing it now just so that 
you don't go to iTunes and go, oh my god, what's happening? The logo is different. Is it the same podcast? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We're we're not going anywhere. The logo's just changing, so don't freak out. Also, earlier this week, I was re- someone reached out to me. The, the same people that talked to me from the Viz interview, where, where, where we talked about Neon Alley, wanted to do another interview with us um, regarding a new anime TV show that is trying to be launched called Anime Sushi. And we had an interview with Tadao Tomomatsu, and their project for Anime Sushi is on Kickstarter. So if any of you want to go to kickstarter.com and contribute any money to the Anime Sushi project, um, you can do that. But we spoke to Tadao earlier this week, and I would like to share with you his thoughts. And so I'm going to jump into that. So so we're here with Tadao Tomomatsu, host of Anime Sushi TV and actor, as seen on Heroes and Bonsai TV. How are you, I guess, this afternoon? Uh, yes, fine, thank you. And you? Oh, we're doing fine in in the uh, in the snow-covered Japan. Actually, in the future, in the, yes, in the early morning or late morning. The rather. lotto numbers are twelve, twenty-four, and seven. Good luck. It's great to be traveling into the future with you guys. Oh, th- thank you for joining us. And I'm told you have experience on Heroes and some other interesting pop culture shows. Can you t- talk to us just for a second about about your your background in the television industry? Uh, sure. Uh, well, I've done a lot of television and films, and, and uh, more or less nowadays I'm known as uh, Detective Furukawa in uh, Heroes, Season 1, Episode 2. Uh, Masioka teleports himself as Hiro Nakamura to New York, finds the body of the uh, dead cartoonist um, who has been had by Siler. And uh, the police arrest him. They can't understand a word he's saying. So they bring in the Japanese translating police sergeant lieutenant guy. And that would be me. Um, so I'm speaking Japanese. They got me, you know, subtitled in the film or the TV show. And uh, there's lots of funny stories. And then they blow me up uh, with a nuclear explosion. <laughs> so, um, and then every week they would say, previous on Heroes, boom, previous on Heroes. And there I am right behind Masioka getting blown up. And uh, it's kind of funny. So I'm proving Buddhism in action. I, I hear you're involved with uh, this anime sushi project. So so what yes. what is anime sushi, and and how does it you know relate to your geekdom? Anime Sushi TV is going to be a half hour weekly TV show dedicated to otaku culture, uh, to uh, Japanese culture, the latest uh, from the fans uh, of anime and cosplay and gaming and, and segments involving them, uh, reports on conventions, industry news. We've got a few industry connections. We, we old friends who are in the biz who are willing to talk about their latest projects or, or everything else and everything that uh, the fans want to see. Anime Sushi is dedicated to the fans, and, and we're uh, wanting to kick this off because it's a unrealized culture. I do a lot of uh, emceeing for anime conventions across the nation. Uh, I'm guest on several of them, and, and I'd like the rest of the world to connect. I mean, eventually, I'd love to see being able to go to a Canadian um, anime convention or a Russian anime convention. I, I want to connect everyone in the culture, because it's, you've got to know, it's not just us. We're all over the place. <laughs> Without so, doubt. I, I sort of view, in my, in my imagination, Anime Sushi being sort of like a, uh, an anime version of one of the shows you would see on G4 maybe X-Play or something like that, where you have two hosts that, of course, interact and discuss current issues and um, the, you know, the hottest things from Japan and show videos and, and things like that. Is, is, is that, is that an, accurate, an accurate illustration of what the show might be like? 
It's sort of accurate to one extent. I mean, my co-host Ella is so into uh, the rest of anime culture. She's she's covering all the stuff I've missed all the while. Uh, but we we got the inside scoop, as it were. We're we're part of the fandom. We we love gaming. We we love the anime. We love the cosplay, and uh, I think we've got more of the inside track on it. And since uh, you know, I have so many friends in in different parts. You know, fellow voice actors, other actors in general. Yeah. It seems like fans are, are a big part of the anime sushi kind of mantra and vision for, for what you want the show to be. And, and in my research, I, I came across that fans can make content um, and submit that content as media um, and potentially even become recurring hosts, I thought I saw somewhere. So uh, how, how do people get their content on the show and, and how do people become a part of it? Can they become a permanent part or uh, how, how does that work? Well, first of all, we have to get the Kickstarter off and running it, you know, fully on. And once we're on, um, people can uh, audition for the show and uh, they can become founding members by pledging amounts to the Kickstarter campaign. Uh, if we're fully funded by February 2nd, hey, we'll be uh, contacting our founding members with a special drop-in link and that goes straight to our producers. Um, and people can just submit. And if it's something that all the, you know, the rest of the uh, crew like if they're having a lot of fun at it as far as I'm concerned. I'd love to have reporters at events that I can't get to, you know, uh, something up in Seattle or something on Washington, D.C. Or, or even Texas. You know, I, I want it to be a, a nice global sort of thing, uh, along with the rest of the producers. And I'm pretty sure, well, okay, I admit Ella and I wouldn't mind going traveling to Japan. So, you know, <laughs> so yeah, people can uh, join up, uh, put in some funds, and uh, then afterwards just start submitting and, and uh, the producers will run with it and Everyone will have a chance. That's well, the best way of putting it. If and, you come over to Japan, don't don't forget to give us a call. We'll we'll take you out to all the best restaurants. Of course. <laughs> it's been a long while since I've had tempura. Uh -huh. and, and the craziest Cheesy. restaurants. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. And and of course, just to throw it out there, this project is on Kickstarter. So if any of you are, if, for those of you that are interested in, in contributing to the project, you can go to Kickstarter and search for Anime Sushi TV, and become a part of that. So, right, and we also have a, a Twitter page. We have a Tumblr page. We have a Facebook page. Everyone can find me at Tadao Tomomatsu uh, on Facebook, and they can find updates from there as well. So, of course, final question: um, We've mentioned Kickstarter briefly, but how how can fans get involved? Give you another chance to mention that, and aside from submitting content, but get involved with helping Anime Sushi get off the ground. Can they? Uh, what's the story with donating money if they don't have money to donate? Are there other ways? Can they write TV stations or post on Facebook? What is what is the, the way to, to rouse the community? I think uh, the way to wow the community is if they can't, if they can't do uh, – sorry, I'm also in a working studio today. Um, if they uh, can't get – if they don't have enough money to donate, that's okay. But, you know, if they, as long as they spread the word around, you know, share the Kickstarter with this fantastic show that's – uh, you know, got them in mind, the otakus, the anime, the cosplayers, the gamers, um, even a couple of the steampunkers, I don't mind. Uh, it would be great. Uh, check out the Tumblr, uh, do a great push. If they think that uh, any of the anime channels would be interested in us, write it in. Uh, writing campaigns look work great. As geeks, we know, Star Trek, hey, you know. Uh, <laughs> so that's the best thing. Otherwise, you know, maybe gather a few friends, throw a party, kick back, do his fun video, and send it in. Prove that they want to see anime sushi up. They want to be part of it. Um, 
even just be uh, family of it, as it were. And, and again, it's on Kickstarter.com. You can search for Anime Sushi TV and contribute your effort to the to making Anime Sushi a reality. And one final question: When people donate money, what kind of uh, rewards or benefits can they receive? Uh, you know, regarding the show, just to just to inform people a little bit more. Uh, let's see. Um, Brain is working on these things in a the moment. Uh, I know that uh, eventually, if you get like the really big pledge of more than a hundred dollars, there's the whole. Uh, you know, you can win a date with Altamomatsu and Ella. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, that is one of the things that we're going to have is uh, uh, you get the DVD copies of our pilot, special listings of the thank you pages, and uh, eventually uh, dinner with me and Ella. Um, a chance to be on the show, uh, I think, is one of the other things. Um, visit Southern California, if not in Southern California, to be uh, that's a platinum donate donation, I think. Um, cast and crew screening of the pilot, did to dinner. Um, autographs, I'll autograph anything, but you know, getting Ella's autographs is a little more difficult. So you know. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, I see. You um, yeah. invitation to the cast and crew screening of the pilot episode and dinner with Tadao Tomomatsu. Ella Bowen and the producers. Yep. And you can't get more Hollywood than that. There you go. <laughs> Tadal, thank you for joining us. Yes, it's been great talking with you, and all hearing all of your voices has been very, very funny. You're a lot of fun. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed that all. The only problem is I wish someone would stop messing with the volume. Marty, would you let go with the 11 control already? Tadal's got to speak. All right, give me a second. Uh, thanks, Doc. Have a have a great day in California and whatever production studio you're at and for whatever reason, good luck, break a leg, whatever the appropriate show business term is. Thank you kindly, and I also want to say Happy New Year to all of you in Japan and and uh, around the globe. And thank you very much for having me on the show. I love Anime Addicts Anonymous. It was really nice of Tadao to join us on the show, and it was great to speak with him about Anime Sushi. Yeah, it sounds like a really interesting project, so I do encourage everybody to go check out Anime Sushi on Kickstarter.com. Even if it's just to get more idea, more idea, a better idea about what the project is, Yeah. and then even if you can't donate, you can raise awareness yourself, as he was saying. So. There's a very informative page on Kickstarter that sort of explains even better what the project is, and there's a five-minute video that illustrates what, the, what they want to do, and... I think if it could come, if if it could happen, it would be a really interesting and fun thing for a lot of people to watch on TV and on the internet. So, you know, even if initially you don't you don't think that you that you could or would donate any money, just I would still just go check it out and at least look at it. Yeah. So, Kickstarter.com, Anime Sushi. So we're gonna take a short news break, as always, and then when we come back, we will be discussing a topic requested by Shakespeare titled "Bitches Be Crazy." Oh, crazy! Oh, snap. Then we'll have some impressions for you from the new anime season on Mango, Yamano Susume, and Mayo. And we'll have a review on Spirited Away. So it'll be a great episode, so don't go anywhere. Hey 
all you crazy anime people out there, this is Chiaki, and this is your anime news break. First up, the Hunter x Hunter franchise continues its quest to become one of the most popular and most beloved franchises in Japan. With the revamp, Hunter x Hunter is on people's minds more than ever, and it's now impossible to walk into a convenience store without seeing posters of Hisoka's face grinning at you. But the new Hunter x Hunter Phantom Rogue film had opened in Japanese theaters this past week and surpassed the number one spot from One Piece Film Z. The 11th One Piece film held the top spot for four consecutive weeks since it opened, but Hunter x Hunter has claimed that title. Hunter x Hunter Phantom Rogue sold just over 3,500,000 tickets on its opening weekend, and this is, of course, much less than half of what One Piece opening weekend did, but it's still pretty popular for an anime film. The story of Hunter x Hunter Phantom Rogue centers around the character Kurapika. And speaking of things popular over here in Japan, if you're wondering what Japanese people are watching and can't get enough of, Japanese animation TV rankings from December 31st to January 6th have been published. Number one is Sazae-san on Fuji TV, then Chibi Maruko-chan, Detective Conan comes in at number three, and One Piece unsurprisingly at number four. Toriko comes in at number 5, also on Fuji TV, and Magai, or Magi, depending on whoever is saying it and whatever, is also very popular, coming in at number 6. Also making the top 10 is Smile Precure and Hunter x Hunter, as well as Folktales from Japan. So, of course, many things are dominated in the anime world still by children, but there are some popular shows for everyone on that list that, well, Japanese people can't get enough of. And finally, for you anime fans out there whose love of all things nerdy and geeky stems outside of anime and specifically into video games, some updates on the status of, well, games and violent media in America. Democratic Congressperson Jim Masson introduced Bill HR 287 on House Floor this past week. The bill aims to make the voluntary restrictions on sales of mature video games legally binding. Currently, industry-wide retail policies discourage the sale of mature games to minors. This would make that policy into law, meaning that, well, buying a violent video game would require you to get carded, just like alcohol or cigarettes. We have a thread on the forums talking about this, and, well, I'd love to hear your thoughts. This was Shiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. We'll be back to the show soon. Get your otaku on Anime Sushi. Hello, Anime World. This is Anime Sushi, bringing you the latest from everywhere around the world, everything you want to know about anime and beyond. Anime Sushi is about everything that's going on in the world of anime and manga. Uh, you want to know about gaming? Ooh, uh, you electronic like gaming? You know, how come this is the little thing with the little dots don't exist anymore? The I don't slider, know! I just... Anime Sushi will bring you along to see how this fantastic art is born. Anime Sushi, the show that brings anime, manga, and gaming to you. Just type Anime Sushi Kickstarter into your web browser. Hi, my name is Tony Oliver, voice of Arsene Lupin III from Lupin III the TV series, and I am an anime addict. And we're back. 
to the 163rd episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, we reached our main topic, which was requested by Shake a Spear, and it goes, Bitches be crazy. Bitches be crazy. I noticed Damn. that almost all anime have a crazy woman in them, and and if you could explain what's wrong with them if they were real. So. I, well, first I would say that I, I disagree that all that almost all anime have a crazy woman in them. A lot of them do. Uh, yeah, uh, there are there are more than a handful of crazy women in anime, but I would just say that maybe maybe twenty mm, percent I would say have a crazy woman. Mm, more than enough to fill out this topic time slot. <laughs> yeah, or five more after that. Yeah. So we I think we we all took a different approach to this topic. So I guess we can start there. My approach was. Who are the crazy bitches in anime, and I'm going to make smart-ass comments about them and just have fun with it. That was kind of my approach. We both had the same interpretation of it when he said if what would be wrong with them if they were real. Yeah. A little bit of the they're crazy, but actually mental disorders that they would yeah, have exactly. if they were real people. Fear not. Dr. Cram is in the house. All right, so, so Chiaki and Cram kind of diagnosed these people. Which I think is, mm. which I think is a lot more valuable than what I did, but I was just trying to have fun with it because we haven't had a, a crazy bullshit episode in a while. So, well, we really haven't, <laughs> you know. So, but I'm really interested in, in, in the angle that you guys took. I can kind of rant forever, so please enlighten me. Well, would you like to go first? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I guess I can just start from the top of my list. I, I chose five characters that I felt were diagnosable with mental illness and, uh, you know, looked through uh, symptoms and things like that and picked out, like, the three most common symptoms that, uh, that these characters um, show and actually tried to diagnose them with a mental illness. Um, and right off the top, I have San from Princess Mononoke. And uh, the symptoms that she shows uh, are failure to conform to social norms, impulsivity, and aggressiveness. And I think we can <laughs> all, all agree yes. that, that she shows these symptoms. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Cram's uh, Hello, diagnosis... how are you? Here's my spear at your throat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Daddy didn't love me. So yeah, she um she she exhibits some of these. I I don't think she exhibits all of the symptoms of the uh, diagnosis that I gave her, but I think she exhibits enough um to say that she has antisocial personality disorder. Okay, so what is that? Antisocial personality disorder is uh, basically where someone um through either through social isolation, which is actually a different mental illness, through social isolation or through um, just kind of self-imposed um, uh, social isolation or some kind of uh, mental problem, they reject uh, being socialized into society. They reject uh, the friendship of people. They reject uh, social norms. I mean, basically, these, these, uh, these symptoms that I just said. Um, so the failure to conform to social norms is they, they can't process why uh, society does things a certain way. Um, they're impulsive and they're they're aggressive. They tend to be aggressive and violent, and I would say that San is very much those things. Uh, but at the same time, many of them don't have uh, the language skills. They they come off as kind of awkward, and I think that the movie does not portray San as awkward necessarily. Because when she's interacting with Ashitaka, she seems to 
have normal speech patterns and things like that. Oh, you don't she, think that like growling like an animal and well, that, walking around on all fours is you know? Yeah, weird. that stuff is crazy. But when she's just having a conversation, she doesn't you know drop you know uh, indefinite articles or anything like that. Well, it, it'd be pretty easy to be isolated from society if your family was a was a pack of wolves mm. and you kind of lived in the mountains and you know we're totally cool with just straight up like sucking the blood out of the out of them. I mean that's that's awesome. I mean yeah. Mmm, delicious. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my first one. Who wants to go next? I'll go next. Go ahead. So one of the ones that I put on here is Lula Klein from Bacano. Um She was kind of a, a sub-character, I guess that you could say. Um, and she was the girlfriend, fiancé, wife, I forget what the case was, of Lad Russo. Um, I think maybe fiance. Lad Russo has no love. But Lad Russo is really, 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 really crazy. Oh, yeah. This is the guy who wears a white suit so the bloodstains show up better. And there's one point in the series where he's dancing around on, like, a dude's corpse, like, to splash the blood. But she is absolutely... <laughs> With his tap shoes. ...completely devoted to him. And she's, like... You are you are the man of my dreams. You are everything that I've ever wanted. Maybe she has a blood fetish, but the what I d diagnosed her with um, is well, one being in an abusive relationship. But I found something online that I don't know if this is a real medical disorder or just something that someone posted. But it's called char uh, charm syndrome, like like a man charm syndrome, and it's basically like. When when a a man's really charming, which I think could define Ladarusso, but once a woman is committed to him, then he changes that behavior and goes more into an abusive pattern. And I think we can see that with Lad in the sense of um, he's like, I love you so much that after everyone else is gone, I will be the last to kill you, or I will be the only one who gets to kill you. Oh, and she's totally cool you. with that. Cray, yeah, and cray, she's cray. she's well, Lad's really cray cray, and she's kind of cray cray for being. Oh my God, I love you. Yes, honey, you will be the last to kill me. So, that's my crazy beer. Good pick. Thanks. So I would be remiss if I didn't start this topic with school days. Nah. I I I I don't know if I know of a crazier bitch in anime than Kotonoha, and for those of you that haven't seen School Days. It's such a spoiler, but I don't know how I talk about her without giving up the story. But, well, whatever. Who cares? So this is a spoiler from School Days. At the School Days is a love triangle anime about, about a guy and two girls, and he's and the guy is the worst kind of scum. He's he's just toys with people, and the girl just snaps at the end. I mean, she carves open the stomach of an of, of the other girl to just to prove that there's no baby in there. <laughs> yeah, she kills her and oh carves her God. stomach open. You know who that reminds me of? Joffrey with a cat. Oh, oh snap. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> sorry, sorry. And then she just freaks. I, I'm having a hard time, time remembering the story or how it happens, but she freaks out at the boy, and she saws his head off just so she can, like, be with him forever. And, like, the end of that anime is her, like, sailing out on a boat or something, and she's lying down on the boat, like, cuddling his head. Oh, no, that's, I think that's romantic. I, I think that's how it went. Yeah. It's a moonlit boat ride. Yeah, as uh, as the chat said, the quote was, oh, I guess she's not pregnant. 
You're like getting some head. So what is the what is the disorder here? It's uh sociopath? Sociopath? Yeah, sociopathy. Yeah, it sounds like sociopathy. She's a sociopath. Yeah. She just hasn't she just doesn't feel for other people at all and is totally detached from society and, and what is right and wrong and I don't know, it's it's madness. The, yeah, if there if there is no empathy there, you know, no human empathy, then you can you can pretty much bet that it's some type of sociopathy or psychopathy. Yeah. That anime is not good by the way, but it's it, it might be worth watching for the ridiculous shock value. Sounds it's, awesome. <laughs> it's uh well it's it's actually not very good to be honest. I mean it it really isn't. I think we gave it a two. But I mean it's just it's just psychotic what happens. So well, that's cool. Um, next up on my list is uh, a character that, I mean, all of these I think we can agree are are a little bit crazy, if not a lot crazy, but uh, my next one is Haruko Haruhara from Fuli Kuli. Is um, she even real? That whole anime is like, I don't even yeah, know if anything is real. Maybe. She's an alien at, or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the symptoms that I found in her were uh, excessive mobility. Uh, peculiar movements and emotions inappropriate to the situation, as well as aggressiveness and uh, and uh, spontaneous violence. Mm. And um, while she doesn't show some of the more important symptoms of this particular disorder, I feel comfortable diagnosing her with catatonic schizophrenia. Nice. Uh, one of the that's most, wow. a big word, crap. Can <laughs> so, you explain yeah, that? Sure. More? That? One, of, one of the uh, one of the most important symptoms of catatonic schizophrenia is mimicking sounds around you, which is something that she doesn't really do. Uh, and I think that without oh. that, in a real world setting, she wouldn't actually be diagnosed with catatonic schizophrenia. She might be well, di diagnosed with hyperactivity disorder or something like that. This is all like, you know, amateur speculation on this stuff because I'm not a doctor, but I I'm pretty sure you can be diagnosed I mean, these disorders have dozens of symptoms, and you can easily be diagnosed even if you only show a few of them. Yeah, absolutely. But all forms of schizophrenia uh, have some form of delusion attached to them, and I don't think she she uh, expresses any symptoms of delusions or hallucinations or Unless anything like that. Unless she is the delusion. Unless she is, but in that case, <laughs> she can't be diagnosed because she's not real. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think with, with just those three, I think it'd be fun to, to say, oh, okay, Haruko is catatonic schizophrenic. While we're talking about schizophrenic characters, I have one on here, uh, Shion, from Higurashi no Nakukoroni. I diagnosed her with paranoid schizophrenia, mm. specifically, and and I know yes, they That'll all be coming up later for me. <laughs> they all got uh, they all got their their symptoms from this bacteria thing. Mm -hmm. It's minor Higurashi spoiler, but not not really, not really. Yeah, um, it's called the Hinami Ozawa syndrome. It's called the Hinami Zawa It is. Hinami Zawa no, I, I, I know. That's that's the official diagnosis. But let's just say she wasn't... She didn't have that. Um, I would diagnose her with paranoid schizophrenia. Because one moment she's like, Oh my god, we're best friends. I love you forever. Let me nail you to this cross so you can never leave. And then she's like, Are you going to run away from me? Are you going to run away from me? You're not going to run away from me. I'll tie you down. I'll chain you down. You'll never run away. You can't run without your legs. Wow. <laughs> That's intense. I mean, those intense mood swings are present in paranoid schizophrenia. I mean, they're, they're also present in lots of other mental illnesses, but uh, I think that's a good diagnosis. So, well, I, I Dr. Added, Chiaki, whoa! I, whoa! whoa. <laughs> I, added, I added the paranoid just because she, she definitely exhibits paranoid behavior mm. where she's like, 
you're hanging out with this person and you're not hanging out with me or you're looking this way why are you looking that way it's just there's so many paranoid moments when mm. when she goes crazy indeed and the uh the higurashi wiki has a definition of the hinamizawa syndrome it is a psychopathic disease found in hinamizawa it can cause anxiety and paranoia which can force the person to commit strange and violent acts, including suicide. It has been seen in an immunization shot in Oni Kakushi-hen, uh, Mai, uh, Mai hen and some other um, arc. The symptoms of this disease are an amalgamation of real symptoms, including clawing out one's throat, which is a real symptom called formication. Ooh, wow, that actually... That's, that's an awful thing to have. That's maybe the worst symptom I've ever heard. Um... I almost put Reina from Higurashi on here, and and I know you could say all the Higurashi characters because they have that, but I put Reina because she, whenever she goes to the the dump, she has this this tick about her where she, when she sees something she likes, it becomes hers, and she has to have it, and if you tell her you cannot have that, then she goes crazy. Which I'm sure is aggravated by the Hinamizawa syndrome, but I couldn't think of what that would be because it's not quite kleptomania, but it's that kind of this. This is mine. I have said it is mine, and if you try to tell me that I can't have it or take it from me, then I, I break down. I don't know if there's a if there if extreme materialism is a symptom, but mm. uh, you know the breaking of routines or the breaking of. Uh, expectations that uh, cause severe anxiety or stress is actually, I believe, a symptom of uh, some forms of autism. Yeah. But there are lots of other symptoms in there, too, that would you know have to be present for that diagnosis to be made. So, and just for the... <laughs> like, like hacking people up with a cleaver? Does that count? Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, just a word about Higurashi. For the, I, a lot of people didn't ever watch anything but the first season. They were like, oh, I saw enough killing. I don't have to watch anymore. But the sad part is that the first season isn't actually about anything. It's just a bunch of event, event witnesses. The second season is where they introduce the the, the disease and literally 99% of the story. If you, if you didn't watch the second season, you have no idea what Higurashi is about. And I would also say that after the first season, I'd, I'd give Higurashi about a three and a half. And after the f second season, it's a five. It would, it would make a genius live-action thriller on, like, ABC in the evening. Actually, I think it would be good if, like... Genius. AMC adapted that as an original I need, series. I need to watch more of Higurashi. <laughs> really? I haven't it's seen that much of it yet. Yeah. absolutely incredible, we the will, second will, season. I will watch it with you, Mr. Cram. And okay. I, oh, and everybody in that show has the disease, has the disease except for Rika. But. Anyways, this is not the Higurashi okay. topic, It should be. Sugi. It should be. Anyway. I think Mitsuki's next. I am. So, uh, I, I, the first, one of the first people I thought of was Revy from Black Lagoon, because she's just a violent bitch. I'm going to use the word bitch every time, because it's in the topic. Sorry, I know it's offensive. That's just me. Accept me. <laughs> and, um, also, but I thought, Revy's crazy, but Roberta from, from Black Lagoon is even crazier than Revy is. And, you know, they're both these tortured souls who have horrible childhoods and they grow up in war-torn areas and there's a lot of fighting and they're both they're both flat out crazy um and so much so that there's scenes in the in the show where the two of them fight and all the men all these tough like burly men in this crime town just kind of scatter they're all terrified <laughs> nobody wants to 
no, nobody wants to mess with with this, you know, chemical imbalance. You know, the estrogens battling the uh, the testosterone, and the estrogens losing, and um, you know, something's ba- something bad is occurring here. And so, are are you den- are you diagnosing her with a thyroid chemical problem? <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a mental illness. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know what to diagnose her with on the spot. I don't know enough about psychology. I would. I don't know. I I would almost just say like a rage disorder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Excessive violent tendencies. I don't know. I, they they make up uh, di- new disorders all the time. Yeah. So. I think it's uh the the cause is the you know to play Doctor House after this huge elaborate episode. It's all just the testosterone cream on the sink. <laughs> you oh, you didn't see that coming. Awesome. What 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 is that testosterone cream? I I watched a video on how to like properly apply or I don't something. Know. Ball juice. But it <laughs> ball but juice. It, funny, That's what it's called. I don't know. <laughs> the funny thing was was that like this testosterone cream was like make sure to wash your hands thoroughly after application. No woman should ever come in contact. Well, they shouldn't. <laughs> like, they were like, wash all surfaces it comes in contact <laughs> with after every application. I'm like, god damn. Shit. And I was like, you don't want to be touched immediately after application. <laughs> like, you will immediately grow hair on the spot that you are touched. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh... All right, next up, I have uh, Edward Wong Howe Pepelu Tivruski IV from Cowboy Bebop. Aw, Ed. Poor Ed. Um, Ed is is easily distracted by irrelevant irrelevant stimuli. Can we fix that in post? Excessive movement, just like Haruko Harahara, and excessive talking. Um, she does exhibit some extreme focus and uh, high uh, aptitude with particular, you know, certain skills like hacking, um, which kind of I felt put her in a more high-functioning autism arena. But uh, I think that the three um, main symptoms uh, put her closer to attention deficit hyperactive disorder, with maybe a little bit of Asperger's or something, something really high-functioning. Mm. Yeah. I was almost going to say, like, a minor Tourette's. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. But d- does she have... Yeah, she does kind of have tics. Tics are the big one with Tourette's. Yeah. Is that some kind of, you know... Does she have tics? What's her tic? I don't, I don't remember. Um, It's about... I think it's about her movement, like how she chooses to move, like she rides on things. But those could also be called compulsions. Is that really a tic? Yeah, that's... Isn't it's a tic where you, know. like, slap yourself and I'm not and saying true Tourette's, twitch. but just that kind of, I'm quiet! No, I'm loud! Now I'm quiet! No, I'm loud! But she's she's cray for sure. I like I like ADHD <laughs> for Ed. Yeah, I think I think ADHD yeah, I works. I think it fits. I think I think if you gave her some some Ritalin, she'd calm down and rule the world. Yep. Uh, one of the one one of my next ones. Speaking of uh, Roberta and growing up in war turn um, and being crazy as hell, uh, is Henrietta from Gunslinger Girl. And I know that the whole gunslinger girl thing is is kind of crazy, but Henrietta watched her parents be brutally murdered, oh. which sent her into a suicidal depression. That'll do it. Which then she was captured by, I don't know if it's really captured, but taken in by a militaristic organization. I think they turned her into a cyborg, if I remember. Whoa, 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 whoa. A gunslinger girl? 
No. No. Okay. No. no. Just kidding. Just crazy ass girls that have un that have impossible skill with guns. So so anyway, so they took her in and pretty much brainwashed her. Which I don't know if brainwashing is a psychological disorder of any variety, but with this girl, you got the range of suicide, depression, and which then turns into a complete lack of moral compass and compassion for other living things, which is why she can so brutally just mow down people with guns. And the incre an, an incredible inhuman strength that allows a girl that weighs like 40 pounds to fire an Uzi. I'm just saying. And the other girl fires like tank, anti-tank like sniper rifles. And, I she, can, and she's 40 pounds too. Mitsugi, I was firing anti-tank sniper rifles when I was like six. That is such a lie. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> were you were you there? Were you there? I don't think you were. So, um <laughs> moving on from that. Just move on. <laughs> there's a really crazy bitch in Clonade. Uh Tomoyo in Clonade is this crazy girl. They're all they all look the same. It's hard to it's hard to tell who's who in that show. But since they all have the exact same hair color generally, there's like there's like two shades of purple and then brown, I think. <laughs> and it that must suck to go to the hair salon. Well, what do you want done? We have purple or brown. <laughs> this is the girl that does the kick combo move where they she just like Chun Li kick combos the one kid one blonde kid every episode that, that she's in and so much so that they have like a like a number counter on the bottom of the screen and in one episode it gets up to a thousand. So she she kick she kicks him a thousand times and then like launches him out of the school building. And this anime is Clonade again. And I really think, you know, maybe she has some issues with, you know, men and being, you know, close physically. You know, why, why else would you want to violently assault a person every time you're near them? Someone in the chat suggested one that I just want to jump in because I was, I was trying to figure out what I could say about this anime from Tokyo Magnitude 8.0. I'm like, there's got to be something in there, but none of the characters are really that Tokyo crazy. Tokyo Magnitude? Yeah. That show had the driest characters ever. I, I know, but Spiffy Piggy mentioned post-traumatic stress disorder, which I think I would totally agree for the character. Not that they're that crazy, and, and I don't want to make a huge big thing of it, but I thought about that show and was like, what would they have? But after going through that, yeah. Yeah, there's something about like being there and having thousands of buildings collapse around you and everyone's dying and everything's on fire. Yeah, that would do it. I think I have PTSD from the earthquake back in 2011. Do you? Earthquakes freak me out so much more now. <laughs> Even the smallest ones, I'm like jumping up like, is it going to get big? Is it going to get big? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a troubled man. He's a survivor. That's well, right. We haven't really had an earthquake in a while. That's true. We're due That's for something. True, which also makes me anxious. Yeah. We had a little rumble the other day, but, Did but we? nothing. I yeah, yeah. Well, it's probably just the cars outside. For those of you that don't live in Japan, Japan's buildings are really. I kind of think I kind of I feel like they're made out of cardboard, because my, the house that I live in and in several of the different places where I work, I'm always like, "Is it an earthquake? Is it an earthquake?" And no, it's just cars driving outside. <laughs> so literally, the existence of cars driving on the road next to your house has the ability to make your house shake 
Like you're in like like you're in like a small earthquake. But I will say with most only Japan construction. Not to get us too far off topic, but they want give in the buildings because that's what actually helps them yep. in earthquakes is the fact that they're not rigid and can sway they're, a little. Yeah, and if they're settle too rigid, back. they will collapse. Well, that they're definitely not rigid. They're, they're made out. Of, they're, they're made out of like Legos and uh, and, 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 <laughs> and uh, wishes connect. of children. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Tinker, w- tinker toys. I would also say that <laughs> Lincoln that Logs. Lincoln Logs. <laughs> Tokyo Magnitude 8.0 was a huge disappointment, by the way. Also, so am I up? No, you just did one. Oh, I did. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I jumped in. I can do one. My these are the last two characters on my list, and I want to do them together because they're from the same show and they kind of go together. But um, I'm I'm going to talk about Mima Kirigoe and Numi from Perfect Blue. Now, oh my god, yeah. So th- I, I would like to talk a little bit about Perfect Blue just at the beginning, just to say that this is a movie it's that amazing. Real, it's, I mean, it's amazing. For <laughs> but this is a movie that really kind of illustrates particular types of mental illnesses and the symptoms of those mental illnesses really, really well. And in the case of Mima, the character of Mima, um, I, I would say that her symptoms end up being false like the diagnosis that I would give her would be a false diagnosis because it's uh, her perceptions and hallucinations don't actually end up being hallucinations or delusions or anything like that Um, but uh, one of one of her um, symptoms is hallucinations delusions and of course anxiety that's brought on by all of this and uh, I think that the way the movie frames I would still uh, diagnose these, her with an anxiety disorder. Yeah, anxi- yeah, yeah. On top, <laughs> on top of my diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia, um, and I, th- I think that the the film really f- frames these symptoms in a very, very interesting way. Where um, it starts and they don't feel like delusions, they don't feel like hallucinations, and then the longer they happen, the more she feels like maybe these things aren't as serious as you know she thought they were maybe they're not even real at all and then it turns out that her uh, her ex-manager Numi um is is doing all these things to her and they aren't delusions and they aren't hallucinations um but Numi herself has some big problems of her own um her symptoms include delusions of course the delusion um uh, about her target which is Mima uh aggressive impulses I would say very aggressive impulses um, although she usually does them kind of in a third party kind of way like in a very indirect way and then also a condition called erotomania Erotomania? Uh, eroticism yeah where I don't I don't think that what she's doing comes from a place of sexual attraction toward Mima but you there me? is some kind of love there there is some kind I of attraction me. there and she's a uh, <laughs> I just realized you're doing Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> but uh, I don't think that there's romantic love there, but there is an, an obsession there. And I think that she kind of crosses two disorders uh, in a really interesting way, uh, one of which is schizoaffective disorder, which uh, you know encompasses All the these big delusions words. and the aggressive impulses, and then obsessive-compulsive disorder, which in, uh, includes kind of the stalking and the erotomania. But uh, I think these two characters and the film itself is a is a really good look at uh, how mental illness works for some people, and uh, I think it's really great. So there I you think, go, go go watch Perfect Blue. <laughs> I think out of this whole topic, that's one of the few characters or one of the few anime that is actually in part about the mental disorder. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not like a lot of these where they're just crazy bitches. Yeah. But I can think of another one. Dozol, paranoia agent. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. See, and I wanted to I wanted to choose between those two because they're both the uh, the late great Satoshi Kon. Um, but yeah, I could have very easily done Paranoia Agent. I, I, is there a disease called Wow? Wow, you be crazy, girl. <laughs> I have I have one last character to mention, and it wouldn't be Chiaki if I didn't mention someone mention someone from Utena, um, but Anthe specifically from Utena. I think a lot of the characters in Utena are are really crazy, but um, I don't know if there is a sleep with your family mental disorder. <laughs> But there might be some kind of incestual disorder out there. The symptom would be like inappropriate affection or something like that. I, I don't know. Um, we'll call it the Lannister disorder. Sure, the Lannister oh, disorder. Oh, snap. <laughs> That's the second Martin second, reference in one second. podcast. It's awesome. Um, but I think I think it mostly stems from low self-esteem. Mm. I think that's the biggest thing for Anthe is she is a thing. Which I couldn't find if there's actually a disorder where you view yourself as an object. I think it's just such, such low self-esteem. Mm. But she lets people do whatever they want to her. Which I think is, like, why she lets people do what they want gonna, to her. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make up a, uh, a, uh, a diagnosis for one that doesn't exist. Okay. Humanity Disassociative Disorder. Hmm. I like it. So she, she disassociates herself from her own humanity. I, you, you heard it here, folks. What's up, Dr. Cram? If they, so confused. It, when you see that in the next medical journal, remember where you heard it. Remember. Psych 101. That's all I need. All right. So, Mitsugi, you want to take us out? Oh. Oh, goodness. Who do I pick? It's so difficult. I guess... I guess I'll go with Naru from Love Hina. <laughs> She's nuts. She's the sure. worst. And all all I have written from Love Hina is that this chick is just horny. <laughs> what I wrote. <laughs> I don't think that's a disorder. I wrote that. I maybe, said, maybe she's a nympho. Maybe she is a repressed oh, yeah, Japanese nymphomania. I said, I said I'd be horny too if I was if I was living with a bunch of cockblockers and a man I want is a pussy. <laughs> that's what I wrote literally on the on the outline. So she's been literally driven insane by frustration. She needs a soap land. It driver. <laughs> Do they make Soviet equivalents for women? Yeah, she's a repressed nympho. I know. Great. I know that in Japan there are male prostitutes, and it's actually legal because of a a loophole in the kanji. Of course. So in the kan- in the kanji, I'm just gonna take it aside <laughs> Only here. Only Japan. In the kanji for uh, prostitute in Japan, it contains the radical for woman. Woman. Oh. Of course it does. So by the letter of the law, or the kanji radical of the law, if you will, so stupid. Prostitutes are only women. So male prostitution through that loophole is actually legal in Japan. It's that not is the most asinine. It's not officially prostitute, or it's not illegal anyway. Yeah, that is so asinine. But that it's is like, oh, it's like, oh, sure, yeah. There's no such thing as the concept of being a prostitute. But I, but I mean, that's that whole thing is so almost literal. worth another topic if people are interested in all the ass backwards Japanese laws that are like what this really means I mean, is everything. I mean we should just have a backwards Japan episode. We should. When I first when I first moved here I just called Japan backwards land because of all the new stuff there was. I was like this is totally backwards. <laughs> I mean I just think of the whole pachinko and gambling thing. Yeah. It's not gambling because you exchange it for little bar little yeah. bars. It's crazy. We we should get into that at some point. And they have red lights and they have stop signs, but no police. So <laughs> Why the hell follow the rules? <laughs> the only thing that this is what 
pissed me off the, when I first came to Japan about driving. There's a red light, and then they have arrows. And if the light is yeah. red, but there's a green arrow going forward, that means you can go forward, but you can't turn right or left. <laughs> now, that seems kind of backwards, but I got used to that. What confuses the hell out of me is I've seen a red light, a green forward arrow, a green left arrow, and a green right arrow. And I'm like... <laughs> That's green! Why? Okay? Why? Okay? <laughs> Oh, some, someone in the chat, uh, I think, got a little confused. Uh, he asked if Japan really had no police. Japan has police, but they don't really do a lot. <laughs> yeah, they do nothing. You don't nothing. see them that often, I, like, especially I, in our little neighborhood. Like, I've, I've seen a cop maybe one time in the two years I've lived in this neighborhood. Not to mention, they don't really have quotas, because that was mentioned in the chat. But they have, like, this interesting thing where if a cop is doing... Like, their thing for the day is getting cell phones, for example. Because yep. cell phone use in the car is illegal here. But it's perfectly okay to read a manga, watch a TV show on a laptop, um, eat food, and uh, write memos, as I've seen okay. people do. I gotta but. say, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta rein us back in. Okay, I'm oh, sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I gotta <rein> us back <laughs> in. All right, maybe, maybe there's an, there's an ass backward land yes, Japan that episode, episode is coming. coming so, <laughs> so I think the topic's over. Yes. But the but just other 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 noteworthy names I have I had to mention were uh, Dokudo Chan from Bludgeoning Angel Dokudo Chan. Somebody from the chat said Cosette from Le Portrait de Petite Cosette, but I would argue that she did. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think she can. Re- the crazy the, the crazy one was the guy who killed her. Same so, time. we are going to take a short anime news break. <laughs> Rain meets me <Gia> now. <laughs> and when we come back, we'll have impressions on Mangirl, Yamano Kusume, and Mayo, as well as a review requested by Yuba on Spirited Away, so don't go anywhere. you anime lovers and loyalists out there, this is Chiaki, and this is your anime news break. First up, for those of you who are integrated into J-pop culture, or if you've just listened to the show, you've probably heard us mention an idol group called AKB48. The all-girl idol group is incredibly popular over here in Japan, but is facing some heat, as specifically with Kodansha. Asahi Senke and other news organizations have recently reported that Kodansha is under investigation by the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department for possible child pornography charges due to the AKB48 idol Tomomi Kasai's photo collection book. The police called Kodansha to request an account of the incident on January 11th and the Kodansha staff in charge of legal compliance provided the account to the police this past week. Now you might be asking what was so horrible. Well, the book's one-page promotion in the January 12th issue of Kodansha's Young Magazine featured an inappropriate photo of Kasai that led to the issue's delay and recall. The cover of the Tomo no Kotoski photo book, as previewed inside Young Magazine, would have featured Kasai nude from the waist up with a Western child standing behind her, concealing her nipples. And when we say concealing, we mean holding. The photo book was originally scheduled to ship on February 4th, but now has no definite release date. 
Despite being delayed, you can find this photo online, so I know half of you are already Googling it, and maybe this is something worth talking about on the forums. In other news, for those of you out there who are gearing up for the North American con season, the organizers of Otakon have recently announced that Madhouse Anime Studio founder Masao Maruyama will return to the August 9th to 11th convention in Baltimore. So if you're a huge Madhouse fan and can make it out to one of America's largest anime conventions, well, it just works out for you. In other news, One Piece continues its reign as one of the most popular anime in Japan, as One Piece film Z surpassed the 6 billion yen, which is about 68 million US dollars threshold, as of January 14th, four weeks after it opened in December. In the process, it has sold 5.04 million tickets and surpassed the box office total of the two other 2012 films. The film will open in Taiwan on January 25th, followed by Singapore, Hong Kong, Thailand, and South Korea. Toei Animation is licensing the film not only in Asia, but also in Europe, the United States, and other regions. So, if you're a fan of One Piece, it sounds like it won't be impossible to think about getting it soon. Well, this was Chiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere, we'll be back to the show soon. From the creators of Method to Madness. You know, people on the game are like, get back there and start grenading people. And the guy's like, no, man, I'm talking to Nathan Fillion. Shut up. It's the Alpha Counter Podcast. People on bicycles are the biggest douchebags. Hey, Bicycle. man, I'm riding green here. Zero carbon footprint, bitches. You, you know what my answer to that argument is? Thunk. <laughs> Find them on iTunes and alphacounter.com. アニメアディクトアノニモスはエイミープレックスとご覧のスポンサーの提供でお送りいたします。And we're back to our the last part of the 163rd episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. We have some impressions from the new season. It's getting to that point, friends. So would you like to start us off with sure. Mon Girl? Sure. Um, Is this a Futanari thing? Uh, maybe. Might be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Mon Girl, and uh, no, no punny jokes aside, they have been done and overdone all over the internet at this point. But uh, Mon Girl is uh, directed by Nobuaki Nakanishi, who did some work storyboard and otherwise key animation on uh, Cardcaptor Sakura and the Duel Masters movie, as, as well as a bunch of other stuff. And uh, he's working through Studio Doga Kobo. For this project, Mon Girl follows the story of Hana, a young girl who, despite her lack of knowledge or experience, wants to start a monthly ma uh, manga magazine, and she recruits three of her friends, and off they go. Um, right off the bat, the show is is visually unoffensive. It's even cute. the The character designs are appealing, and everything has a nice gloss to it. The backgrounds are a bit boring, and the animation is clearly limited by its budget. But the animation team works with what it has, so it, it's it's a good looking show thus far in the in the first three episodes. Um, the characters aren't too terribly well-defined just yet. Uh, I'm wondering how much they're going to, to be able to give these characters. The, the main character and her best friend, are they, they get a little bit more than the other two girls. Um, Hana has kind of a go-for-broke attitude about the whole manga endeavor, and her best friend Aki is the doubting Thomas of the bunch, uh, questioning Hana's motivations and aptitude for the task at hand. 
Uh, the other two girls, Ringo and Haraki, are just kind of there. Although the second episode shows Haraki has a, she loves donuts, but I don't think that's really character development. <laughs> um, the biggest issue I have with the character interaction so far is that none of them have any knowledge of, of manga publishing or anything, but they all give Hana a hard time about the decision she makes. Uh, as though you know she she you know knows less than them somehow. I so don't. it sounds like real life friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this show is perfect. <laughs> uh, music is okay so far, kind of kind of unremarkable. The theme song's cute though. Um, the story has kind of left something to be desired in the first three episodes. It might be the truncated running time at, at three minutes per episode, but nothing has enough room to develop and grow into its potential. Um, the first three episodes have three self-contained conflicts, each of which seems to have uh, something interesting to say, but ultimately doesn't. It, it just kind of washes everything that it, that it comes across. The first episode um, is basically them starting up uh, the, the manga magazine, and their first conflict is getting artists, and they can't seem to get artists. And then in literally a jump cut, uh, Tsugumi, one of the other girls, says, well, somehow we got not one, but 15 artists conflict avoided. So <laughs> the first interesting conflict that comes up, they're just like, well, we don't know how we did it, but we did. So th though, there's that. Though I can say maybe a small note that might be a good thing is it might be progressing to a more main mm -hmm. central conflict. Because let's face it, how many club or whatever animes anime are out there where... They're like, we need members for our club, and they spend half the anime yeah. just having random one-off episodes where they get one member mm -hmm. every episode. So maybe it'll end up being a good thing yeah, that they rush through it. Uh, yeah, the second episode is uh, basically them interviewing their first artist um, for the for the magazine, and Hana, who is, I guess, the editor-in-chief uh, at this point, self-proclaimed uh, at that, but... Uh, she gets in the room with this artist and squeezes like a fangirl at her concept art and her storyboards, and the other girls are embarrassed about her, her lack of professionalism, and it, it seems clear that this show is trying to say something or might have something to say about fans working within the industry that produces their fandom, but then Hana starts gushing about all of the cool things her artist could do and seems to stumble upon some constructive criticism and yet again avoids the conflict. And in the third episode, they do a gravure photo shoot, and I don't know if in I don't know if the Japanese know what gravure is, or I don't know what they think it is. But I don't think metal plate photography printing is something that would be necessary for this magazine or for anything these days, really. But they call it a gravure photo shoot, and uh, they meet their gorgeous model. Uh, there's hijinks ensue because Hana tries to help the photo shoot along and get, ends up getting in the way. Is that helicopter crashing? Which is not. <laughs> I mean, really, just land on my roof already. <laughs> Seriously. So Hana tries to get in the way, hijinks ensue, but after the photo shoot, they're touching up the photos, talking about removing stray hairs, lightening the, uh, the model's skin and stuff, and even maybe reducing the size of her waist and thighs, and I'm like, no way. Is this show about to talk about body, you know, uh, yeah. body image issues like in the in the modeling industry? But it's it just ends up being a setup for a dumb joke about uh, the about Hana volunteering to pose nude if they make her more shapely. So yeah, there goes that one. And uh, overall, I think the show is not awful, but the episode length really kills its potential. If you're interested in the manga industry and you don't mind kind of a hollow narrative, you might like Mongirl. All right. Thank you. Yeah. 
So my impression is on a anime called Yama no Susume. Yama no Susume was directed by Yusuke Yamamoto. Yusuke Yamamoto has done a few other things. Uh, he's been in a lot of actually really big name things, but just as kind of key animators or episode directors for just one or two things. The other biggest thing that he was the uh, director for was Welcome to the NHK which I know a lot of people like. Otherwise, he was the director for Masquerade and OAV and the chief director for Master of Mosquiton or Mosquiton something, which is another OAV that I obviously haven't heard of, and the director of Night Wizard, the animation TV. So I haven't really heard of a lot of other things he's done other than, um, oh, an Aquarian Evolve. He was the director for that. So he's kind of been all over the place, involved with a number of, of really good shows. For example, he did key animation for an episode in Nisei Monogatari and had some, like, Aquarium. But so Yamano Susume is based off of a manga that started August 12, 2011. It's currently ongoing. There's only one volume out. The episodes are only three minutes long, which makes me wonder if they're doing that intentionally to try to give the manga more time to come out, uh, to prolong how how quickly the content goes through. But it follows the story of Aoi Yukimura, and Aoi is, when she was a child, she and a friend in elementary school climbed a mountain uh, with her friend's father, who's an avid mountain climber, and they watched the sunrise from the top and it was it was one of her favorite childhood memories and at that moment they promised to climb another mountain together and they went to different junior high schools and in the time of junior high school or late elementary school that period she was climbing a jungle gym pretending it was Everest or something tripped fell off broke her leg and had to be i guess broke her leg badly cuz she had to be pretty much bedridden for a little bit and hospitalized and so she, well, during that time, she developed a bunch of hobbies that would require her to be indoors. And she pretty much became an indoors person and developed a fear of heights as a result. And she doesn't really have that many friends because she doesn't really go out and take risks or chances anymore. So her friend from elementary school, Hinata, comes back and ends up being in the same high school as her and is like, hey, we made that promise, let's climb a mountain together. So. The episodes are three minutes long, but in just nine minutes, it's accomplished more than what I've seen a lot of anime do in the first episode. It's a really sweet little thing, and it doesn't require any time, so I would recommend it pretty much to to anyone if it sounds like... I mean, it's three minutes. They're, they're... Not a time commitment. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just can, watch it. <laughs> yeah, just just watch it. So. More, and more and more of these short little three-minute anime coming out lately. Yeah, a lot. I mean, we've got like... There's like five this season, four or five this season, yeah. I think. But it's at least, bunch. but at least, uh, at least it's it's cute. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're getting better too. Uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, my next uh, impression comes from the new show Mao Yu. Uh, the director of this ta is Takeo Takahashi, who of course is responsible for Spice and Wolf. Uh, the studio he's working with is Studio Arms. Now Mao Yu follows the story of the hero who is referred to as simply his title, as are all characters in this show. The hero is hero, and the demon king is the demon king, and the witch is the witch, and the maid is the maid. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. It's very interesting. I, I kind of <laughs> like it, actually. Um, but he is a young warrior in a time of war who abandoned his party to confront the evil demon king alone. Once in the presence of the demon king, the hero discovers that she is, in fact, a beautiful girl and not so evil after all. The Demon King proposes a political-slash-romantic alliance with the hero, claiming that a sudden 
didn't end to the war between demons and humans would leave the world in chaos and poverty. The hero agrees, and they put their plan into action to bring lasting peace and prosperity to the land. Um, right off the bat, the show has a really nice look. The animation is more than adequate. Characters are appealing to look at, especially the, the demon king slash queen. Um, and the backgrounds are quite beautiful. However, the show has a really strange effect that works to its advantage and disadvantage simultaneously. This is kind of a rust effect that covers the entire image, giving static shots a really cool antiquated look. Like, it's, it looks really great when nothing is moving, but objects in motion appear to have the effect passing right through them, which kind of cheapens everything. I, I think it's really distracting and, uh, and uh, not... It doesn't look good, I don't think. Um, the characters aren't bad, but they haven't grown into their potential yet. The most interesting character thus far is definitely the Demon King, and she... Demon uh, Queen? Demon King, Demon Queen, yeah, the... <laughs> I, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm understanding. It's Demon King is her title, her but it's Demon a King, she. It's a she, okay. but Demon King is her title, and in fact, in the show, they refer to her as Maul, which would okay. be Demon King. They don't... Uh, Demon Queen would be Majo, I think, or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And and uh, she just carries the lion's share of the emotional development, so she's the, the most interesting thus far. The hero has a couple of nice moments, but he, he feels a little underdeveloped so far. But again, this is only the third episode, so um, I think he, he might end up being okay. Um, their relationship really feels like an afterthought, though. After being forced into the relationship by this alliance, the hero doesn't hold up his end of the bargain, namely meeting the Demon King's physical needs. And this element element of the show is is felt shoehorned into every episode thus far, and it isn't very compelling either. So, um, but I think the show could use a little action because um, there really hasn't been any thus far. Uh, but yeah, it's it's compelling, it's interesting, it's entertaining, and uh, I think that it's given me plenty of reasons to keep watching. So yeah, check out Mao Yu. It's it's quite good. All right. So now we have a joint review requested by Yupa on the forums. I can't believe we've done this yet, but I know that we've kind of held back on some of the Ghibli stuff because mm -hmm. they're easy and hard reviews at the same time. That's true. So, of course, Spirited Away was done by Studio Ghibli and probably the most <laughs> famous anime director in the world, uh, Definitely Hayao the, Miyazaki. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, who... If you don't know who he is, shame on you. Everybody knows. Go listen to it. It's impossible not to know. Right. I had a discussion with a student about this show. The student had a doctorate in religion, and he had read a book. The book is by Susan Napier, so I can't remember the title of the book, but she only has a few books on anime, and one of them is pretty obvious about which one's Miyazaki. So Susan Napier has a Miyazaki book, and it. I really... Enjoyed and uh, was more impressed with this anime after talking to, to the student because this this whole anime is a big social commentary and this review from me is going to sound like a, is going to sound sort of racist but understand that everything I'm saying is Miyazaki's thoughts um, because well as best we can as, guess well them. According, according, according to, to Susan, Susan Napier according yeah. to Susan Napier who knows better than we do I'm sure considering she's written like four books but. Um, this movie, the, you know, on the outside, it's this fantastic, you know, whimsical story of a girl who's like finding her way and everyone, everyone says it's a coming of age story and, uh, which I wouldn't disagree with. Yeah, absolutely not. Sort of, I guess 
Well, except a, a story a story can have a good story will have multiple levels of meaning. Mm -hmm. Except you except really what you have to what you have to what you have to that's that the, the discussion really should be is the story about what's on the outside or is the story about what what it's what the deeper intent is of the film? Does it have you don't have to choose. What do you think it won the Oscar for? I have probably on the outside. Because yeah. I, I granted I don't know. I don't know who I don't know I don't know who picks these Oscars and this movie is a social commentary about Japan from Miyazaki's point of view. And I will get into that in a few minutes, but why don't you guys talk about what it's what like the story is? Because well, for anyone who doesn't know, it Spirited Away or Sento Chihiro, depending on which title you're going for, um, tells the story of of Chihiro, who is out with her parents and ends up stumbling across this seemingly abandoned like market village. Yeah, kind of an old style Japanese amusement park. Yeah, um, and that's what they think it is, and. In walking around, they discover huge plates of food. Her parents dive into the Excess. food, and uh, she doesn't. She decides not to eat any. She she says, "We didn't pay for the food, and there's no one here to give us permission. We shouldn't eat it." And the parents are like, "We have money. We can pay for it after." And so the parents end up literally turning into pigs. Sen doesn't because she does, doesn't eat the food. But as night falls, it becomes a uh, yokai or Japanese spirit kind of town leading to a spirit bathhouse and Sen being a human kind of doesn't really have a place in the world and before she fades away a boy named Kohaku comes and saves her and basically makes her eat some beans is that what they were? Mm -hmm. And um, It was like some like clumpy dry food that she didn't like. It, w it was basically like if you eat the food you won't fade away. Right. And so she ends up ends up staying in the world. She goes to the bathhouse. She meets the proprietor of the bathhouse, who is uh, an old woman, and who's I love her character. She is crazy, and I love her. You Baba or something. You Baba. Like yeah. And um, she ends up working for the bathhouse, and You Baba takes Chihiro's name, and changes basically takes the kanji, which ends ends up changing her name to Sen, and. The story ends up being about Sen working at the bathhouse and the coming of age comes in that she ends up finding herself and her own strength as she tries to save her parents and go home. So that's kind of, I think, a base yeah. summary of, yeah. of the plot. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of an adventure drama with a little bit of comedy in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, so I'm going to throw out I'm going to throw out what, the, what this movie is really about and you guys can comment. Okay. Right from the it's, You are so funny. Well, I, I want to no everyone's seen the movie. Everybody. No one knows what it's really about. Well, what it's quote unquote really about. No one knows what it's really about. In Japan, you had the bubble economy of the 90s where everybody in Japan was making insane amounts of money. Every, this is all from my from my students' perspective, but there was a lot of greed in Japan. People were just living the high life, and that's what a bubble economy is. Everybody's rich, everything's super high, and it's inflated. And guess what? That is the opposite of what Buddhism is. Buddhism is a lot of you know not having not needing material needs and you know l living with what you need and not and not and not having like a life of greed and you know what is I guess the the, the equivalent of sin part of you know in Buddhism. Chiaki knows more about Buddhism than I do. But Mizaki doesn't really like this. Right from the beginning of the movie, you have Chihiro, who is the, is the antithesis of the Japanese society. And so, wham! Right off, that, right off the bat, 
her parents eat the eat the the food these ridiculous bubble economy sized plates of food and bam they're pigs and what she doesn't eat it and why is that because she's the, she is the embodiment of what Miyazaki I th- I my impression is believes what Japan should be is a you know a, a a society not plagued by greed essentially and there's also the point that later in the movie she goes to find her parents and she's at the pig pen and she's looking for them and Kohaku's like well which one is it and she's like I don't know. They all look the same. Do you guys remember that yeah. quote? Oh, yeah. Yes. Why does she say that? Because Miyazaki views these people that just live in greed as all being just, they're just all the same to him. And, and I guess it's just another criticism of these people that live like that. And this movie is littered with almost everything in the movie is about this one message. Everything. The bathhouse, it's over excessive. And th- there's the bubble economy right there. Actually, actually, the book and my student, we discussed that the bathhouse is actually in itself a gigantic symbol of the bubble economy in Japan. You have all these um, spirits coming in to get, to get cleansed. And so, in a sense, it's a cleansing place also, but um, it's overall just supposed to symbolize the economy. You guys have any thoughts at this point? I can go on and on. Um, I mean, it it, it sounds it sounds like a lot of um, theories that I've heard before about different Miyazaki films, um, and I, I think that you can read this type of thing into uh, a lot of a lot of his movies and a lot of good films in general. Uh, and I think that's part of what makes a good film is being able to read into this stuff. But so far, I, I think that the theory is uh, it's solid, and yeah. I think it it gives an interesting perspective to everything. Uh, whether or not it's what Miyazaki actually was had in mind is, uh, you know. I think what's also interesting to note, and and I <clears throat> I I don't disagree with this theory. Um, I'm not saying this is the reason 120 percent because as as you said, and unless. Unless it comes from Miyazaki's mouth where he says this is the thing, but I, I think Miyazaki is too self-respecting as a director to to say this is what I want you to understand because that's what makes a good story is you going, what, what does it mean and talking about it? But I think it's interesting because I definitely think in a lot of his past movies, the whole man versus nature theme is one of the strongest themes that Miyazaki takes on in oh, his yeah. movies. And I think that it's interesting because I don't feel that this film, it, it's there. Mm-hmm. It's still there. But in, in especially with regards to the river spirit and the whole, we need, we need to take care of what we have naturally around us because it's going to have consequences. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think that it's not as strong in this movie as a lot of his other movies, which is interesting because I think that means he was trying to say something else yeah, as I, his th- primary goal. I, my, my belief is that this movie is man versus man or man versus society. And there's other, there are, there's other instances of this symbol in the movie. The, 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 I'll save the most obvious one for last, but the, there is the scene where the, where the giant, what is he like a mud monster? Comes into the. He's, comes he's in, the water yeah, spirit. The, yeah, the river spirit. The river spirit. He's the river spirit, and he comes into the bathhouse, and the river spirit is supposed to be like the embodiment of the Japanese spirit, I think, in that he's his ideals have been polluted, and that's and that's what Susan Napier says. She, he goes into the bath, and Ch- uh, Chihiro kind of rallies everybody to help purify him, and she, he becomes purified, and then you know, says, you know, thank you to Chihiro, 
who again fixes things. Well, no one, no one wanted to touch the spirit when he first came into the bath. Ah, he was until they found out that he had tons of gold and money. And then, and then they were like, "Oh, we'll do everything for you," you know, because guess what? That's the bubble economy. Everything's about greed. And so they cleanse him. He leaves. He becomes this beautiful thing. And that's Miyazaki's way of saying, you know, greed is bad. Uh, Buddhism is the way, and you should, you know, follow the way of Buddhism, which is, um, I think the the point of view there. Yeah, I mean, I I think that you you've got kind of some. Uh you've crossed some wires or he maybe Miyazaki did has crossed some wires in uh in his message and in that scene in particular because I think there's a lot of environmentalism you know being spouted there just like in all of his films um but yeah I think that that maybe there is something to be said about uh greed and the economy and whatnot but there's a in in some cases you have to you have to ask yourself uh why why would he express uh, this situation as kind of a, a rewarding situation for the people. So they clean the river and their greed gets fueled by cleaning the river. That's positive reinforcement. Or if you think that the greed is a bad thing, maybe you think that's negative reinforcement. But it's, it, I don't know, it's kind of interesting to see how the benefits line up with the actions. The way, the way that I, I viewed this scene is that I think that they can go hand in hand that it was it was by the greed and kind of the focus on commercialism that the river got polluted in in the first place mm-hmm. because what he had polluting him and making him stuff was junk. People had too much stuff and there was there was bicycles, there was was there even like a car in it? I, I don't uh, remember. <laughs> but, the, but there was all kinds of stuff just filling him up which to me is like the the notion of excess if you have too much you just cast what you don't need aside and and i think that's miyazaki kind of putting maybe the environmentalism and the whole greed thing hand in hand is that as a byproduct of this greed Mm. we're also polluting the world around us um so i that's kind of my interpretation of it but i definitely agree with you with regards to the reward I I could say maybe there's the notion of it was an kind of if you if you go back to this way you'll you'll get what the riches that you really need but then you could argue that those wouldn't take the form of of actual gold so I I agree that there is a little bit of uh of wires crossing mm-hmm. on, okay, on that so, response. all right so next on the list um, not only is this movie a critique on the and by the way, this movie was was made during the bubble. I mean, before the before the bubble came out, you had movies like like Naushka and Tortoro, and they're completely different. Which is why it's kind of odd that you have different themes in different time periods. But it, the movie is also it was mentioned that it was a critique of the collectivism of Japan, and the biggest single symbolism in the movie is No Face. He's the most important thing in the movie if you look at it from like the symbolic perspective, because and there's a couple points to be made with, with no face. One thing is that he has no face. He has no identity. Mm-hmm. And collectivism in itself, if you if you look at the at the if the if Hof, at Hofstede's framework, Japan is the second most collectivist country in the world behind Korea. Collectivism meaning that they Japan exists in groups. And we could talk about that forever with how it permeates oh, in yeah. Japanese oh, society. Yeah. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> so Chihiro, uh, Chihiro is this individual, strong personality. She is she is individualistic, and then you have No Face, who has no identity. So he is the he is the epitome of 
collectivism. And so, and you see that because there are times when he sort of adopts the personality of whatever's around him. He goes into the bathhouse, he starts going crazy. He, he, I think at one point he, he eats a frog or something and he becomes a frog, if I recall. I think, I think another interesting thing too on this with No Face, uh, the scene that I remember a lot, and, and this goes with the collectivist culture, and I've had this conversation with so many students, is, is the want to please those around you that you don't want to be trouble and you want to be help to the the community and the people surrounding you. And I think of the scene with No Face where he realizes that gold makes the bathhouse happy. Uh-huh. And and he keeps saying here's gold, here's gold, here's gold and everyone gets happy except for Chihiro. He's like here's gold and she goes I I don't want that. And Genius. he gets really, really confused by that and really angry because it's making everyone else happy, but he wants to make Chihiro happy also. And I guess in a way you could say be accepted by her. And by refusing his gold, she's she's not... It's not that she doesn't accept him, but he looks at it as she's not accepting him and, and she's not doing what she needs to do on her end of the bargain and so he gets angry and and you've, I think that's what sparks him onto going crazy. You've sort of you you've sort of discussed the next point I was going to make is that he's he offers gold to the bathhouse. Bathhouse loves the gold because it's all about the bubble economy. Chihiro is the opposite of the bubble economy, so she rejects the gold. There's the next theme in the movie. Also, what is I, what is the significance of the representation of the uh, the lack of individualism in Japan being the one who offers the gold to the bathhouse is there do you think there's any significance in that um, because it comes from his character and he th- represents that do you think? I, I sort of but think they're separate I, I sort of think they're separate things I mean it, I don't I don't think so well no face and no face is just supposed to be a representation of how Japanese people are collectivists so and since all the Japanese people are in the bubble, it's, it makes sense for but No Face too. It seems interesting. I think it's it's interesting because I feel that greed is uh, the opposite of uh, collectivism. I think it's a mindset that, that exists in individualism uh, mostly, and I think you can see that a lot in uh, you know kind of you know kind of the whole one percent thing that's going on in the United States right now and in the West. Um, you know the corporate fat cats, if you will, uh, who who only care about money and the greed and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> I think we more often see greed as an individualist uh, ideal than a collectivist ideal. So to have the character who represents the collectivism and the loss of identity in the Japanese public be the one that has all of the gold to offer to the to the bathhouse, I think is a really interesting. I think he's trying to say something there, though. Although what it is, I'm not sure what. I think I think going with that, what it is is the fact that. At the end, his gold isn't worth anything. Mm. It turns to to mud or or sand or or something, but it's not real gold. And so I think in that respect that what he's saying is that, as you were kind of saying, tying in with the collectivism, was that once the collective is focused focused on this greed, it becomes like a fool's gold. It's not what you end up having is false pleasure. It's not worth anything. It's not real. It's not genuine. You're not really well, helping about, the collective. Think about think about what you just said. The greed isn't real. It's not real pleasure. That's exactly that's exactly in line with the message because I'm, I don't study Buddhism, but I know it. But I know it doesn't say greed is the way to paradise <laughs> and pleasure. 
I think to wrap it up from my perspective, um, and, and to tie something in from the chat, Blaze Kazashi mentioned that, um, and, and I'll just read it verbatim, maybe we might be giving Miyazaki too much credit for the whole bubble thing. Um, I, don't know how, I don't know how you can and, say that. Um, a bubble economy thing. Other themes are definitely present, but I don't think he was thinking only about money when making this film. And um, I think what it comes down to, and, and I'm not saying Blaze Kazashi is wrong because everything is a theory. And if I say, if I say he or she is wrong, then I might as well just call myself wrong. But I think my mental capacity for this movie is that Miyazaki was definitely trying to say something. And I think going back to the fact that I do consider him a true director and a true artist and someone who takes his work incredibly seriously. And I think that when it comes down to it, he was definitely trying to say something. And the point, what artists want more than anything is they want people to talk about their art. And that's why artists don't say, this is what I mean, because they want people to draw different things from it. And so this is our theory and this is our philosophy on it, but whatever you get from the movie, that is equally important and equally valid. And it's definitely worth watching on a superficial level and on a deeper level. And so for that, I'll just throw in my score and, and, and close my final thoughts that it, for me, it's definitely five false, no faith, five soot sprites. Oh, five. that's good. I like oh, the yeah. five soot sprites. Love the soot sprites. Um, I'm just going to throw, throw my thoughts into the ring. I, I think, to say that it is about the bubble, that it is it is absolutely about the bubble, might be a little bit wrongheaded. Um, I don't necessarily agree with uh, Miss Susan Napier. Um, all respect, you know, all, all due respect. Uh, but I do think that that the themes of, I mean, I think Spirited Away is absolutely an indictment of uh, of excess. Um, whether or not the bathhouse represents the bubble economy, and I'm sure that this this idea of excess was brought on by the bubble economy and at that time Miyazaki kind of disliked uh, how you know the Japanese public was what, what they were becoming I think he, he probably disliked so whether it's about this explicitly whether it's about the bubble economy explicitly uh, I I'm not sure I don't think it is but I definitely think that he has something to say about just the nature of excess and what it does to a person um, but that aside, like reviewing the film, I think the film is beautiful. I think it's amazing. Uh, I think there's so much that, that can be said about the movie from the way it looks to the way the characters develop. Uh, if, I have, uh, if I have some sort of criticism for it, it's that I, I think that uh, Miyazaki maybe didn't think about his themes of excess because the movie feels a little bit bloated. Uh, it feels like it drags a little bit in the middle, and I think there's a lot of fat that could have been cut. Um, so I think that, that the movie suffers from kind of a saggy middle and uh, some, some pacing issues, but overall it is something to behold. Um, I cannot give it a, a perfect five because I don't think it's a masterpiece, but it's definitely four and a half uh, fake pieces of gold <laughs> out of five. <laughs> the book is called Confronting Master Narratives, the History, of, History as Vision in Miyazaki Hayao's Cinema of De-Assurance. It was made in 2001, so if anybody wants to go, to go get that book, I, I don't think it's in print anymore, but you can find it on Amazon, I'm sure, or something. Oh, yeah. So, my thoughts on the film are that 
I, I do think it's about the bubble economy. I think that Susan Napier knows more and has done a lot more research than we ever will. And so it would be really very foolish of me to try to like say that she doesn't know what she's talking about. Especially when I see 30 different examples of the symbol in the movie. It just seems too too obvious. Um, that being said, we, we, we rate Ghibli movies on a Ghibli scale. And so... I think this movie is wonderful, but I think there are a couple Ghibli films that are better than this one. And so, I'm really torn because I want to give it a four and a half because I know that on, on a Ghibli scale, that's what it probably deserves. But before I had this discussion with my student, I did not think Spirited Away was one of the best Ghibli movies. I'm, I'm not going to be so swayed to change my opinion completely, so I'm also going to give it a four and a half. Okay. I, I think the best Ghibli movie is Grave of the Fireflies. I think after that, it's Princess Mononoke and My Neighbors the Yamadas. And oh, that movie's so good. There might even be a couple more movies I'd put ahead of Spirited Away. Granted, Rosso is amazing too. Granted, that, that movie doesn't get enough attention. Granted, Spirited Away towers above every other anime that ever comes out at any, any point during the year. And when, we may never have another movie like this again. I don't know, no. but okay. Well, that was fun. Everybody's already seen the movie though, and I'm sorry if I sounded so like aggressive about the themes and stuff. It's just that I, I wanted to give a different perspective on the movie because everyone, everybody who watches anime... Don't apologize anime, for your passion. Oh, no, no, it's, no this it's, is, it's very interesting. I think it's worth talking about. This is probably the most seen anime movie ever. I'd be, I could go look, at, look and, that and, up. But. And next time we can talk about how Totoro is about the god of death and how Mei is dead halfway through the movie. You have you have such a harder time discussing themes about that. I don't know. Maybe I don't it's, maybe it's in her that book. Movie. Yeah, man, like this. Krem, let's have a movie night. There. Okay, so. <laughs> All right. So this is episode 163 of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Once again, you can find us at the new and improved aaapodcast.com. iTunes, please don't forget to give us a rating. We really do love reading them. Facebook.com forward slash Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, where you can give us a like uh, and keep up with all of our updates. Also, our new improved Twitter photo other tweety fun things twitter page i i don't really want to call it new we've always had it but there's more stuff going on it now um and please remember that the, the twitter feed will pretty soon be our exclusive photo feed yes. so if you like us on facebook but you're not following us on twitter if you like the photos that we've been posting recently and you want to keep getting them follow us on twitter please yes it takes nothing to make a twitter account and you don't even have to tweet i i don't with my personal account i just use it to get news and aggregate information so and broadcasting live every Sunday night, 8 p.m. EST, 10 a.m. JST, from on Ustream.tv, forward slash channel, forward slash anime, dash addicts, dash anonymous, dash podcast. But if you can remember, aaapodcast.com, three simple letters and podcast, you can get links to all of these things. Thank you to those of you who joined us on the Ustream. As always, Love it you is guys. a pleasure to talk with you. You really contribute to the show, and we love hearing your thoughts live. And taking us out tonight is the song Lovely Fruit from the anime Toriko by the artist Nana Mizuki. So I'm sure it'll be a great song because uh, Mizuki Nana does some great stuff. So have a great one, everyone. See you later. Bye. Hey, boys and girls. It's about time we all got some to eat now. Huh? How about we all get some of that lovely fruit?